Hi everyone, I'm April. And I'm Christine. Before we get started, we wanted to warn you that the following content contains adult language, activities, and violence, and may not be suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You best be careful when you chase the devil's tail. You might just catch it. Welcome to Southern Discomfort. This is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Southern tales of the weird, wild, mysterious, unusual, voodoo, Voodoo. cryptids, hauntings. Are you intrigued yet? This is Southern Discomfort. Southern Discomfort. And now, your hosts, April and Christine. So now we're back and we're going to head back over to Louisiana um, and talk about one that is interesting um, in regard to its legend versus sightings, etc. So the Rougarou or the Loop Guru um, actually originated in France. Um, and Loop Guru is French for Wolfman, um, and this guy is werewolfish. Um, it's a bipedal, um, creature, um, and it does transform or shapeshift, um, but it's not, its transformation is not like a werewolf, um. You know, howling at the moon, and you know, transforming in, into a temporary wolf. It's this is a permanent transformation by a witch. When <laughs> talking about the Ruger, um, and I say permanent, but I'm actually <laughs> going to walk that back in just a minute um, because I came across conflicting information. Um, First of all, the legend was originally used to scare bad children and bad Catholics who um, did not adhere to Lent. Um, <laughs> so, very Krampus-like. Bad Catholic. <laughs> you're, you're either a bad kid or a bad Catholic if somebody comes at you with root root. Um, <laughs> but, That's brutal. Um, Again, originated in France, but the the lore um, was actually actually came to Louisiana from France, and um, it's interesting though because I can attest to this: in Louisiana, there is no boogeyman. There's the Rougarou because basically anything bad that happens or anything. You know, if you have a kid that's that's behaving badly or, you know, again, this bad Catholic, pe- people not doing what they're supposed to do, right. then there's the threat of the Rougarou coming after you. And the Rougarou is going to get you. going to get you. In my, in my landry voice. In my swamp <laughs> people voice. <laughs> Troy Landry. The Rougarou is going to get you. The Rougarou is coming to get you. <laughs> Um, but no, for real. Like yeah. that's which that's how you scare your kids. Like either yeah. be good or the, you know, like some people are like, oh, better behave or the police are gonna get exactly. Is the boogeyman the Louisiana yeah. boogeyman? So that's why I say it's Krampus like. Yes. Um, but okay, so some of the uh, legend um, or some of the things around the legend are that if you encounter you can't talk about it for one year and one day you'll become a okay I want to stop you right there I'm sorry but this right here reminds me of uh, when you say shapeshifter and you can't talk about it for a year that is how they that's the same thing that you hear the Native Americans in the Uinta Basin talk about Skinwalker Ranch and the shapeshifters. You cannot talk about it. They won't talk about it because if they do, well, they just don't, actually. 
they don't talk about it. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's kind of interesting. That's that kind of feels like the that it was kind of bled into maybe Native American lore, as yeah. well as the French. Well, yeah, there could very well be something to that. Um, but like I said, it's originally you know I read that you know you can only be transformed by a witch, but now now there's the encounter and then also there's the eye curse that you make eye contact with the rotary you turn into it. But you can't turn anybody. Just anybody <laughs> into a rotary. It has to be a bad kid or a bad Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, those poor bad Catholic kids. <laughs> like, I'm gonna turn into the Rugaru. <laughs> I better see some Hail no, Marys. <laughs> How crazy is that? I heard salt will kill it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. And um, is it Medusa? <laughs> right. Like, That's why this is not so much like a cryptid, like a Sam Squanch. This is more of a oh. of a legend. Right. Um, this is this is just a scary boogeyman because, like you said, it came from French lore and legend. And so, when the French immigrated over here, they didn't uh, they didn't come with a rougarou. I got, like <laughs> he got on the ship with them. Like he, like he swam. Like how did he get? Over, how did that happen oh, way over there in France? And then he came over here. Now he's here. It's the story. It's the right. Yeah, and and you know it'd be interesting to do more research on the actual French route or loop route, rather. Um, yes. As far as sightings and whatnot, but you can't find them here. You can't find actual accounts of um, people seeing this creature, right. or you know, just it just doesn't exist. But um, right. So it's the uh so the fact that it's a shapeshifter um has the head of a bird, um the Cajun this. If you can't explain something you can blame the um, you know, it's, it's all of those things that just make me think that it's definitely more of a um tale. Right. Because in the 16 to 1700s they actually had werewolf trials in france so that and just like we had the salem witch trials here in the u.s they had werewolf trials they blamed everything on a werewolf you know if somebody had came down with something strange it was the werewolf it was and so they had the trials with that so that happening in france well i say france but it was the franco um, which is the German and the French speaking areas yeah. of Europe around that time, which is also corresponds to the same time as the French are coming into Louisiana. So isn't that interesting? So you've got them coming off of all these werewolf trials and they're coming into Louisiana. So they're bringing this legend, these stories that, the boogeyman, you know, this is that, and that's exactly what this is. Yeah, so it 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 all intersects. That's very interesting. There's got to be something to that, right? Um, Where is the statue of the Rougarou? You have a picture of you with. Um, it's at one of the zoos, and I don't know if that's Baton Rouge, if that's the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans. Audubon. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're like. We should post that. I the, know um, we should. We should. In the show notes. Absolutely. I think I found it and posted it on y'all's page on Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. Yes. I think I posted it in a comment. Yes, you did. Um, and what Christine is referring to is Louisiana Saturday Night, which is also another podcast that I co-host with my husband Robert. And that we did an episode similar to this, not as in-depth. I tried to, but that's not what happened. But that's okay, because that's why we actually spun off. Because Christy was a regular. I just called you Christy. Christine was a regular. 
She's my sister, like I said in the first episode. I will try my hardest to call her Christine, her adult name, but I know her as Christine. Um, she was a regular, and she was the um, the the fan favorite. So, so we I don't know about that. Well, you are, yeah. Our very um, first listener fan mail was about you. So, absolutely. So we spun off. And did our own thing because we were like, okay, we're going to take our um, creative freedoms and we're going to do what we want to do. Yeah. So here we are. um, Lucky you, the listener. Here we are. Aren't you guys lucky? (laughs) No, but I I will look for that picture. It's got to be here somewhere and we can put that in the show notes. But yeah, it's. I, I did encounter three groups. <laughs> <laughs> that back. There has been an encounter. Yeah. There it is. I got a picture. It's proof. Right, I have proof. I think I talked about it before a year and a day, and I was totally fine. Oh, that's right. But you're not Catholic, so you're good. I'm good. I am so good. I am too. I'm not. I mean, I am too. I'm. I am too not Catholics. <laughs> I am also too not. <laughs> I am also too not Catholic. So I can talk about it. So there you go. There is that. So is that a oh, hundred and one days? You said. I don't know. Interesting. I'd like to know where they got that number. Um. Well, you mentioned ways to kill it with, or a way to kill it with salt and I also read that men would keep a leaf in their wallet to fend off the rougarou you know that is a voodoo cure as well yeah I look I cross-referenced that because I said I that feels voodoo to me and it is because that is in voodoo known to bring you money green it's a leaf money green put it in your wallet Mm, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because um, it doesn't. It it didn't say what type of leaf. It just said a leaf. Right. Um, just it's just leaf. So I got any leaf. Um. Supposedly that works. Um. Okay. Here's an obvious one. Prayers. Yeah. yeah. Um. Fire and then decapitation. I think that's gonna be the end result. I mean, obviously. Um, right. <laughs> That is, that'll do it. That'll do it every time. And um, decapitation, guillotine. Yes. French. Look at the you. French. Look at you connecting all Look, these dots. That's what I do. I, I connect <laughs> dots and I build partnerships. That's what I do. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> For serious brain trauma, body trauma. Well, that pretty much result in death for any living thing yeah i mean that's that seals it up like they get, it, it feels like basic ways they're throwing everything at it like oh you put leaf in your wallet wait no salt okay salt will do it but if you look at it but if you don't look at it 101 days you know it's just pray like, about it praise i always pray catholic pray you know you're always gonna pray about it it's just like they're throwing everything at it it's way too funny that's why it just feels legend to me well, it does to me too, but interestingly enough, so this um, this lycanthrope uh, quality that it has, you know, the shape shifting quality, um, there's, I came across something that um, alluded to lycanthropy being a medical condition that people would experience that um, it would cause excessive hair growth a chemical imbalance in the brain that makes people think they're changing in school. And so that could have, that could, the clinical lycanthropy, I guess, could be attributed to this, um, this group group and Louisiana. Right. I don't know how I feel about that. That reminds me too, and this might be kind of why you, people loosely want to group werewolves and vampires together but there's a 
condition that causes vampirism or right. I can't remember what that's called, but like you have a iron deficiency and supposedly you want to drink blood and you it makes your body crave it. Right. So that's interesting to me. Just Yeah, me too. Yeah. So and and you know, there's the whole uh, Louisiana, especially New Orleans, vampire connection, but that's not connected to werewolves. It just kind of reminded me of that. Well, you can definitely draw like a a parallel there for sure. I, yeah, yeah. Did you come across um, where in Louisiana fork? Folklore Society, they um, published that there was a calf struck by a motorist on the highway, and when the driver got out of his vehicle, the calf had vanished, and an uninjured man, apparently a Rougarou, walked away from the spot where the creature was hit. No. <laughs> yeah. So I did, that was in 1971. I did come across that. I thought that was. So that would be shape shifting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it would be cool to do a deeper dive on that. But is that rugery or is that what Native Americans think is shapeshifters? You know, I don't know if that's the same thing. It's interesting, though, to me. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would be, I'm compelled to go down that rabbit hole. I know, right? It really does. But at the same time, it's um, like it just feels like legend. But... It does have these intersecting points that's like, okay, well, there's that that account. You know, how do you explain that? Other than maybe it was at night. Like, I get it. They're probably, like I say, how can you explain that? And then I just thought there could be like a thousand different things that could be. You're like, how do you explain how do you that? Explain as that? I'm explaining it away. No, and then, right. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it could be at night and it was dark. I just explained away. Yeah, exactly. So. No, I'm kidding. No, I think I, I think that would be worth um, further investigation for sure. I, I totally agree about that. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, right? Like I said in the you know, like I said, it just it's very Krampusy to me. Yeah, yeah. It, and that makes sense because um, Krampus is also European, and you know, this came from. This legend came from Europe because France in the 1760s, um, this area, Jovedon, it um, they suffered this this community suffered attacks like nine ninety to two hundred and ten attacks and resulting in a hundred deaths. They were partially eaten, and this is Ooh. in France, and this kind of coincides with all the werewolf trials that I was talking about earlier. So. They all described a wolf-like creature the size of a calf with a dog-like head. There you go. There's Dogman, you know. Right. Or could be. So, so as many as 20,000 people were searching for it. So, the, um, Jean Castel, he crafted a blessed silver bullet. So, he, he had a silver bullet just for it, this creature, and he blessed it. And so, he went out, and he knelt down, and he opened his Bible, and the beast lunged towards him, and he shot this silver bullet, and he killed it. So this story precedes the werewolf legend by a hundred years. Whoa! I know, and so I feel like that's where the silver bullet in a werewolf, right? Uh, is it is that werewolf with the silver bullet, or was that vampire? Okay. Oh no, that is vampire. Okay, well, but wait, it might be werewolf too. I thought so too. I was thinking it was both, but now I'm now I'm gonna have to goggle it. <laughs> I know, right? But anyway, I thought that was pretty um, interesting. That was in France, so so all that probably did just come over here to Louisiana. How to kill a <laughs> So, are we ready to go to delve further? Absolutely. So this one brings us closer to our hometown. Um, this one is called the Ch- Chattawa Monster. I remember this. I 
just cannot get this out of my brain. I just remember always hearing about the Shadow Ball Monster. Do you? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Up close and personal with that area for sure. So this is in the, um, not in the unincorporated area so much as where we grew up, but it's in the same county. It's in Pike County, which we had mentioned earlier. That was the, the Momo, monst- Momo monster in Louisiana, Missouri was Pike County. So we're from Pike County, Mississippi. Which so, is as far south as you can go in Mississippi without going into Louisiana. Very, very good point. And it is this area that we're talking about is an unincorporated area that um, was settled in 1817. And it's located on the swampy, marshy area of the Tangipahoa River. So there again, you have the swampy um, river, creek bottom area. So um, so the legend is there's a the Chattawa monster that's living in these woods. It's very thick. Heavily wooded, but it's also very swamp and marshy as well. So they, um, it's a bipedal creature supposedly that lives in the woods, and it's um, there's a nun convent called Saint Mary of the Pines. So this is was established by the School Sisters of Notre Dame, and it was established in 1874. And this was to educate girls. And they opened a day in a boarding school in 1875. And a lot of people from New Orleans sent their kids to school here. So, like, the prominent of New Orleans, that's where they came up here. So, there's also this Louisiana connection. Um, even Huey P. Long has been up there. And a lot of other notable... Louisiana politicians as well. So the cl- school closed 100 years after it was um, opened, but then it became a retirement community for the sisters in 1976 and has been ever since. So there have uh, been accounts that people have seen this monster. But not only that, though, the nuns claim that they see um, monkeys in the trees, which is kind of crazy. You're like, monkeys live in the trees in this wooded area, but... So, so as the story goes, there was a circus train because there's um the it used to be the Illinois Central. I'm not sure what it is now, but it's the railroad that goes from Illinois all the way down to uh, it might even go into Canada, but it goes as far south as New Orleans. But well, I think it is the Canada or Canadian National or something like that. I think it is a Canadian railroad. I think now I okay. Well, then it must. It must go all the way north as Canada. But uh, so this is a, a stop, or at least it was anyway at, the, um, at that time. So the legend is a circus train traveling by rail. It was derailed and the monkeys escaped. And so they thrived in these woods. And that's where the, um, the nuns have said they've seen these monkeys. So that's how that goes. But um, also Chattawa is the name that comes from is um, from Choctaw, from their language. Right. Kind of interesting. So, and I read, and this could just be um, embellishment, but I read that only monkeys and a creature that was a cross between a human and an ape survived the the crash. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, fled into the Tangipahoe River Swamp, like you were saying. So, um, that's exactly where this comes from. Yeah. So, the, okay, so the monkeys escaped and survived, as well as a preacher? Um, so, as well as the a creature. Oh, a creature. A, a cross between a human and an ape. Oh, like they had that part of the a circus act? Like that was... Yeah, that was traveling on the circus train. Okay, well, that might make sense as far as why there would be a bipedal creature, because because it was all it was a stretch to me why there were monkeys in the trees, and then there was the Chattawa monster. You know, yep, that was exactly. Yeah. So either that's someone trying to bridge that, or okay, well maybe that did happen. 
Yeah, maybe it was that way. Well, and it it was thought that the nuns would use um, the monkeys in the trees as a tactic to deter um, students from, or homesick students from trying to run away back to New Orleans or, you know, their respective homes. And they would tell <laughs> Right, like a spear tactic. But <laughs> go again with these scare tactics. They Catholic. Here we go again. Oh, I'm going to scare you into Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm you kidding. I'm kidding. Will stay, and you will be a good Catholic. Right. <laughs> or the monkeys will get you. They will come out of the trees. No, I didn't what hear that. Like, what if they really did see monkeys, and they're like, dude, there's monkeys in the trees. You know, well, could have been. It came from somewhere, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm thinking this story came from somewhere. Even a lie sometimes has a kernel of truth in it. So it came from somewhere. What they just they just went, right. woke up one day and said, "Oh, guess what? We're gonna talk about let's just come up with monkeys that live in trees." To scare. I feel like they would have come up with another scare tactic if there wasn't something. You know, I re- feel like this, the reason why they use that is because they really did see monkeys, or they thought right, they did. Because w- what if they had actually seen this bipedal creature roaming around? Like, wouldn't you use that instead of monkeys in the tree? Like, I, I yes. don't think monkeys in the trees are going to scare me from going home. Right. Like, right. Like, that'd be cute. Maybe, I, I kind of in the woods, maybe. Unless maybe they were like. Oh, maybe they'll think that they're affectionate and be affectionate toward them, and they will not want to leave the monkeys. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's who knows. But I also saw that a highway patrolman on his tractor. I'm assuming he lived there, had land there. Um, his tractor lights caught the eyes of a bipedal creature, amber glowing yeah. eyes. So I'd like to know who that was. I would too because it makes you wonder if we know the family at least. I feel like I do. But anyway, that's just a side note. So Yeah, so this is just this was just a fun one because it feels like every corner of the US has their own this this episode we're just covering Southern Cryptids. So but if you look it's every corner of the, at least the, the, in North America has its own cryptid, its own personal cryptid. And so I just feel this connection that just growing up, knowing this legend and lore, like whether it was true or not, like we have the one that's in Mississippi. And I say we, because that's where the, the county that we grew up in. That's well, it's cool. ours. Yeah. That's what we say. Right. But I mean, truthfully, you know, I, on more than one occasion with my friends, I mean, not for nothing, but we used to go out there and live here um, in that area. And, you know, the legend went that you, um, if you drive to the railroad tracks where the crash happened and you tar- kill your engine roll, or roll down the windows and kill your engine, um, wait for the monkeys. To start to to signal the creature to get it to come out. <laughs> That's so funny. I never did that with my friends. So how do y'all know where the crash happened? We don't. We were just like, let's go to the train tracks and let's roll down our windows and signal the monkeys. I mean, signal the get them. I can't even. I can't even string that sentence. <laughs> That is so funny. No, basically trying to lure him out, you know. And right. It, it, was a, it was a uh failure every time. Oh yeah, high schoolers. Yeah, let's turn our lights on because that they like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> but no, we there we did not have any clue where this supposed crash happened. We just drove to the tracks that were nearest. That's funny. That's funny. That was actually where I had. Okay, so. Chattawa, like you said, was this is a total side note, but it's actually where I had my first car accident. Um, 
was driving to St. Mary of the Pines for an evening service with my best friend. And I was going too fast around the curb and we left the road and it was bad. But um, that's really of, of no of no consequence at all. It was just a, a an interesting tidbit. I, I actually remember that. Yeah. Super, okay. super creepy out here, which is kind of like why I, I look back and I'm like, why were you so comfortable out there? Oh, yeah. Because we were young and we were invincible. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have anxiety. Not like we do now. Because now we're, yeah. we're old enough to realize, like... Things are real, and consequences are real. So, like, if I knew that Brianna or Abby was going out there, I would like lose it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's totally different. So, um, we're gonna take a break here, and on the other side of the break, we're gonna come back for our feature creature. Feature creature. I like this song. Me too. This is my new favorite song. I think you better slow down, though. You're going kind of fast. Uh-oh, it's too late. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. It's a motorcycle cop. That reminds me. I've been listening to this new podcast called Motor Cop Chronicles Podcast. Motor Cop Chronicles? Motor Cop Chronicles. Get your mind out of the gutter. I mean, they do wear those tight pants and boots. And bike. Oh, my God. The Iceman, the host of the show, he is so hilarious. He tells all of his stories from from people that he stopped and pulled over and crashes. He has rants that he goes on about people and, and their habits and bad habits and everything. He does it in the news section. It is so funny. You're going to have to listen to it. I guess I'm going to have to check out Motor Cop Chronicles then. Yes, you are. Ma'am, I pulled you over for doing 80 and a 45. I'm going to need your driver's license, insurance, and registration, please. Okay, well, I was not going 80. I'm not here to argue with you. I need the information now. Fine. Right, stand by. I'll be right back. I wonder if that was the Iceman. I don't know, but if it was, that means we might be on his next podcast. Maybe so. All right, ma'am, I need you to sign right here. It's not admission of guilt. The state you're going to pay a citation or show up in court. All right, thank you. Drive safe. Yes, sir. You too. Oh, my God. It was the Iceman. You see right here on this ticket? He signed it, the Iceman. We are so on the next podcast. He is going to mention us. I wonder if he thought we were cute. Oh, my God, yes. I'm definitely going to check out Motor Cop Chronicles to see if we're on there. It's so funny. And now for our feature creature, the Louisiana Wookiee, Honey Island Swamp Monster. So in 1963, Harlan Ford and Billy Mills came upon a creature on all fours. It was hovered over a boar feeding. So they looked at each other and they said, what is that? And it heard them and they both reached for their guns and it ran off. And they went after it and they never found it. Yeah. Right. So, and and so, like I said in in the intro to this, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. So, we're in St. Tammany Parish. Not we, but this story. This this creature is from St. Tammany Parish, which is your neck of the woods. So. Yes. This is, um, this is, it gets its name 
from the honeybees that once lived there. And supposedly they don't live there anymore. I don't know. I remember when you lived in Slidell. Mm-hmm. I remember going past there. This place is creepy. It's creepy. Let's just get it. In. Is. We're going to keep it PG. It's creepy. I wanted to say something else, but I'm not. It was like just from the road looking off into the swamp. This place is so creepy, and I can't even imagine. It's 70,000 acres, okay? Mm -hmm. That's 109 miles. And it's also been described as the most pristine swampland in the United States. Like, this is, there are so much of this swath of land that has not been touched by man. It's not, not inhabited, not trekked. Like, you don't go there. So if it, ever there was a creature that could live in somewhere, it definitely could live here. That's what I was going to say. Like, there is no more perfect environment for this type of creature to live. Yes. Without being seen, caught, captured, killed, etc. Right. Right. So I... Like, this is my personal favorite. And honestly, it's not that it's in... Louisiana, it's really not. It's just that this area, I believe, it's just so like conducive to a cryptid. It's it's so it's it's in between. So you, okay, so you have the Pearl River, and that is the dividing line between Louisiana and Mississippi in this area. Okay, but then there's also the Old Pearl River. So, in between these two, this creates, like, the perfect just area that swampy. It is just bottom, marshy, mucky, murky. Like, it's just, just thick, and it is just uninhabitable. Now, well, in places for this thing to dwell. Oh, absolutely. Like, this thing could live, in my mind, I... I I Google Earthed it, you know, did the whole Google Earth thing. Just so I could get a feel, okay, I'm like, what are we talking about here? Because I've seen it from the um, road looking into it. And then that's when I, some of the stories that I've read that, you know, they just barely, whether they hunt or they go in on this land, they just barely go into it. You know, they just don't go into the heart, into the thick of this. You can't. Because there are only places, like, you could only get there by boat. That is just how remote this is. There's only a couple of roads that lead in and out and everything else. You have to go by boat. Right. So, if you just can wrap your head around and just search Google Earth if you're curious. Because this really does give you an idea. It gives you a feel for... What we're talking about here, and and I say inhabited, it's inhabited by man, but it is in it is habited by birds and fish and just all kind of like woodland creatures. It it really does thrive with all this wildlife, and so it is um, government controlled. There's um, the wildlife center there, and it is mandated um, and protected by the by the government for that reason so permanently i mean that means permanently like you cannot um not that you would be able to get permits anyway but like there would be no way to develop this in any and you can't poach poach anything right i mean i know people do obviously you know we're we're gonna get into that at a later time but you can't poach the animals or the land or anything for anything yeah legally absolutely and like as we said so it's it gets its name for the honeybees that live there so in french of course everything has a french name in louisiana it is marais il de mille which is um swamp of the honey and uh they're not there anymore as far as i can tell i couldn't see anything they used to be there they're not now um Interesting enough, well, I guess, okay, so I guess I'll go back. 
So we mentioned that Harlan Ford and Billy Mills, they saw this. They came face to face. They saw its amber eyes. It was staring at them. So they described it as being over six feet, probably closer to seven. And they said it smelled like death. Like it had the death stench. (laughs) Death stank all over it. It had smooth face and with no hair. And they said that its features were almost human-like. So they felt like if they, they, and then I've heard this before because I do listen to podcasts um, that, two of them in particular, that people actually call in and they give their accounts of um, Sasquatch sightings or Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it. And time after time, and I don't even know how many, first of all, there's no shortage of these stories, but you can hear in their voice and their conviction that they are convinced that they did see something. And, of course, they know what they saw. But what they say is they'll either say it looks like a, they thought it looked like a bear, or they, most of the time they say that these look like they're human. Almost like they don't feel like they could shoot one or kill one because they have such a human-like characteristic about them. Yeah. And that's what they say about this one. Like, it had a smooth face. It didn't have any hair. It did have a human-like face, but a ape-like body covered in hair. And they also did say that it looked like a baboon. So, that was in 63 when they first had their um, encounter face-to-face. But um, they went, so, um, they were actually hunting, but he was also, Harlan Ford was a wildlife photographer, and he was a retired air traffic control gentleman. So, um, he looked for this for years. He went back searching for it. That's also another um, common thing that you will hear when you hear these accounts that people see it initially but they always want to go back and they want to see it again like they just want to see what was that like what did i see so later in 1974 he was ford this was was able to make casts of the footprints so he actually saw footprints even though he didn't see it again and so they were so large but Interesting enough, they had three toes and a dewclaw. So we've heard that before. And the toes were actually webbed, which is... Right. It's a, I don't want to say new trait of Sasquatch, but it's Bigfoot. It's um, definitely unique to Honey Island Swamp Monster. Right. And... That helps you swim. So, there you go. You are in, in, have the rivers there. It's all swampy. And it's creek bottom. And you find that the toes are webs. So, you know that they can swim. So, that's terrifying to me. Like, this thing is huge. It can cover a lot of ground on foot. But not only that, it can also swim. And... They also believe um, there were other accounts that saw saw a creature like this by other people who saw them in the trees. Or, I'm sorry, saw it in the tree. Excuse me, because I don't think it was more than one. But they, um, if you think about that, so they're, if you go into the woods and you can't find them, it could possibly be because they're in the trees looking down at you, but you don't see them. That's terrifying. Well, and that's, okay, so this is another legend that um, supposedly originates from a circus train traveling um, to New Orleans that actually crashes, and um, chimpanzees, among other fleas in the swamp, most of them meet their demise by alligators. Um, but the chimpanzees are able to climb to the treetops. So legend has it that over time they interbred alligators, thus Honey Island Swamp Monster. 
it's largely believed that it's a cross between chimpanzee and alligators, which would lend to the three toed three toed web footprint. Absolutely. Ability to swim, ability to climb trees, um, basically all of those things. Oh, yeah. Alligators can climb. They can. I have a co-worker who told me this horrifying story about, well, first of all, it was heroic because he said his nine-year-old son had somehow captured a five-foot alligator. They brought it back to their house, put it in what they had a dog pen and an eight-foot chain-length fence. They put it in there. The next day they came back, it was gone. This thing had climbed the chain fence and gotten away. Well, you see videos all the time. People post on socials of alligators that go up to houses and are, like, climbing up the front doors. And I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. No. 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 Like, we have to share space with them over here. And that's horrifying enough because, especially when we had the floods over here, um, 2016, mm-hmm. and that had flooded them out of their areas. They were just washed up on roadsides. It was just, oh, it was so terrifying. Scary. Yes, absolutely. Scary, sad, but scary. Right, also. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, the fun fact. Um, at least in Louisiana, anyway, um, as far as Louisiana is concerned, if you do come upon an alligator, dead or alive, you cannot do anything with it until you call wildlife and fisheries. So, just FYI. Yeah. Nothing. You know, they need to know what's going on, and they can direct you from there, but you should always contact them first. So. Yeah, you're not allowed to intervene in any way with it before contacting them. That doesn't mean people do that, but... You're not supposed to. No. I think it's punishable by, like, mega fines and jail time and all kinds of craziness. Absolutely, yeah. It's a big no-no. In fact, someone um, not too long ago ran over one, and it was all mangled. But they had to um, call wildlife and and fisheries, and then they were like, yeah, we can't do anything with it. But you have to get the okay from them. They have to be the final say. Just just a PSA if you're in Louisiana. I'm not sure how it is anywhere else, but, you know, watch out for your alligators. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have to worry about us trying, yeah. trying to intervene with an alligator situation, but you never know. I mean, people d- may underestimate what they're capable of. Like, I, I have a former co-worker who um, actually lives um, on... Um, one of the waterways is actually a tributary to the Pearl River and um, you know they have a boat they go boating all the time they're very you know well familiar with the water and um, but they did have an alligator that this was many years ago they did there was an alligator they did keep trying to come up on land to get their Labrador she was actually she's actually my former supervisor but um, one day it came up on the bank and was going for the retriever. Her husband wasn't home. Well, she got a baseball bat and went after it. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, no, you didn't. She's like, oh, yes, I did. She's like, there's no way I was letting Belle get hit by an alligator. I was like, well, you do wish you could have done, right? <laughs> but she gave it a good effort. Anyway. Yeah, years ago, um, I had a pet alligator for two weeks. Um, we had, me and an ex of mine had a restaurant and a patron had come in. He had an alligator farm and he had brought one in, which is highly violates, you know, the health code and things like that. And they had it running around. I remember that. And so my ex was like, Hey, can we take that with us? So we put it in a little portable ice chest and we brought it back to, our house and we put it in the bathtub and it lived there for two weeks until like yeah i can't deal with this because every time i want to take a shower i have to take the alligator out who's like two feet long 
And when you pick him up, he got to be so big, like his tail would just snap up by his head. And even though his teeth wouldn't, um, he would bite, but his teeth wouldn't like pierce you all the way. Like they did hurt. Like they're little, like little needles. They didn't draw blood, but it was just not, it was just like starting to be a nuisance because it's like, okay, I have to take this alligator out and put him in the ice chest on a ticket shower and then put him back in the bathtub. And, you know, it's just not a domesticated animal. Did it ever do the baby death roll? It didn't. It didn't. I didn't see it do that. Um, not that I saw, anyway. It's That's just funny when you see the babies doing the death roll. It's cute. Oh, that's cute, but, like, the adults, no. No, no, no. No. And I, I don't know. did see a comment on a YouTube video that said, I'm pretty sure people from Louisiana... Ride alligators, drink swamp water, and French Quarter every day. <laughs> Somebody oh. said, hell yeah, we're in Louisiana. We ride alligators, we drink swamp water, and we French Quarter every day. The misconceptions. <laughs> I know. That's way too funny. Well, that's like, I came across a podcast, you know, obviously I'm not going to mention the name, but I came across a podcast that was talking about um, I think it was Rugery, and um, they're like, yeah, we know um, basically all of Louisiana swamp, and I'm like, oh, bless it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe all of southeast Louisiana. But well, <laughs> yeah. Well, there are people abroad that believe that there isn't Nothing below New Orleans. Like, it's New Orleans, and then it's um, the Gulf. Like, it's just, like, the Gulf of Mexico. It's like, no, there is still, like, there's Homa, and there's Thibodeau, and there is land down there, and then, you know, Grand Isle and all that. Mm-hmm. All the, um, you know, don't don't come after yeah. me. Don't come at me if I don't know my Grand Isle, Gulf Coast area, because I don't, but, but there is land between New Orleans and the Gulf. That's too funny, though. They think it's New Orleans and it just cuts off and it's water. Well, and I think most people equate the state of Louisiana with New Orleans and that's it. And yeah. that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, that's a story for another day. But I, so you were talking about the the swamp monster swimming. So, and you may have this, I may be jumping ahead of you, but so there was a guy by the name of Ted Williams, who reported several encounters with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Um, same thing, you know, reported that it has very human-like appearance. Um, and and the same thing you were saying, too, it did not seem to want to hurt him in any way, so he didn't want to um, kill it or have it captured or anything like that. Um, but just backing up, they described it as dark gray, seven feet tall. And then the first time he saw it, uh, or saw one, rather, he jumped into the bayou and, you know, went on his way. But then he had another sighting where he saw two swimming in the Pearl River doing the arm stroke. <laughs> and one of them glanced back at him and then turned away and kept swimming. Um, and this guy... Um, had you know uh, went into uh, one day went to set some trot lines in the swamp and he was never to be seen or heard from again wow Wow. that's pretty crazy that he was doing the front stroke so (laughs) it's like yeah like the, the creature is doing the the front arm stroke like you know human like but there was two of them. Two of them women like that. This is in the Pearl River? Yes, that was in the Pearl River. Um, and um, Harlan Ford's, it was either his brother or his son. Um, this was in 1973. Was out on his boat um, and, in the bayou and hit something that at first he thought was a man swimming across and he stopped and turned around 
and then he tried calling out to what he thought was this guy swimming, but um, it just kept on, or he just kept on swimming and climbed out of the water. And it glanced back, back to him as it um, climbed out, walked away into the woods, just seemingly unfazed by just potentially having been hit by the boat. So at that point, he was like, yeah, that's not human. Um, yeah, no. So no. he was actually brave enough to go over to the, the bank and saw footprints, but no blood. Mm, okay. And again, it, that that's either his Harlan's brother or her son. I'm, I'm not sure which. Um, that's crazy. That's nuts. Like, I would well, be like, I'm done with these woods. You've just done that. Yeah. Like, next. <laughs> we are talking a couple hundred miles, though, of this area. So, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Like, where would you go from there? This is your fishing or your hunting spot. And you just. I mean, it's your home, I guess. They, I guess, yeah. they, you know, I assume they were the family. I, I don't think Harlan lived there but I you know I think they lived nearby and frequent, frequently hunted fished you know all the different things that you, that you do swamp and that's, that's what it sounds like it sounds like he spent more time in this swamp area than I would say most people well and you were talking about the fact that he was a photographer um yes there's a wildlife photographer i don't know if you want to if you want to tell us about the the plaster casts yeah so in um in in 1974 he was able to make these casts and that's when they realized that it was three toed with a dewclaw and so zoologists from lsu which is the louisiana state university 2019 national champs and they study these casts and they're now they're on display i was waiting for that (laughs) so but now they're on display in the museum the i'm sorry the mystery house museum in abita springs which i've always wanted to go to written by there so many times but just never have have you ever been there yes i have and you know (sighs) Interestingly enough, I went, um, I want to say it was around 2011, 2012, and, you know, it, it was well before I decided to start to um, research this. I mean, this is just recently something that I've started to look into, so I, I'm quite sure that, that I saw it. I just um, can't yeah. call it, Yeah, but... Um, it's literally two and a half miles from where I live, so we yeah. definitely have to go there. Yeah, I definitely want to go. I've never been, but you'll have to go back, and I'll have to go. But um, also, you lived in Abita. It was interesting enough. I do. You, li- you lived in Cabin 12. Lived in Cabin 12 in Abita Springs. <laughs> and it's remote itself, and now we're kind of getting away from the area because Honey Island Swamp is a slide L. Um, I, Abita Springs is a little bit. It's the eastern part of the parish that go. I that I live in. Um, parish is what would be county in any other state, but in Louisiana, yes, I forget that that needs to be uh, noted. Yeah, because <laughs> they're we, like, what do you mean the the church, the Catholic Church? Parish? So, in other words, if you live in since I live in St. Tammany Parish, that's the same thing as a, a, you know, in another state, it would be considered county. Which is what we Which talked is- about. We mentioned Pike County, where um, where we grew up, but um, now we actually live in parishes because we live in Louisiana. Because they want to be different. And the under Napoleonic Cope, and that's okay, too. So. Yeah, so... Um, Apparently, you know, they made these plaster casts of these three-toed web footprints. 
Um, and uh, they never really talked. Well, I say they, uh, Carly Gordon and his friend, they never really talked about um, what they had seen, experienced, you know, except for amongst close family and friends. Um, but as per the huge in small communities, uh, word traveled and the newspaper got wind um, of this and published articles. But Harlan Ford never wanted the swamp monster to be captured or killed, he wanted to study it. Um, right. You know, you had mentioned that he was a wildlife photographer and. Um, he actually, this is jumping way ahead, but um, soon after he passed, his uh, great-granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, she found in a box a, um, a, a I guess it would have been a canister of 8mm or Super 8 film, um, and it contained, I think, 1 minute and 40 seconds of footage of this image of the swamp monster and the image actually only appears in the film or on the film for about four to five seconds and i actually watched it have you watched it i have it's quite compelling i actually even though it's further away i would say than patty the patterson gimlin footage this one to me seems more like I it's more believable well and there's a lot of um there's a lot of of uh doubt around the footage because apparently and I didn't know this of course this this is something that I read in my research the Kodak didn't release Super 8 film until 1965 and supposedly he had shot this footage in 1963 now that could be easily explained as okay maybe they thought he shot it in 1963 but it was actually 1965 after because if you watch that I mean it's you can't discern features of the creature but um, you definitely can see an image in the shadows yes yeah and it's moving and absolutely yes which i i'm just gonna go on record and say that i believe that the the patterson gimlin footage is real um i just have at first i was skeptical but now i've looked into it further and you really need to look into it further and that's what i would say about this too i'd say look at it but then also you know just look into it further before you just kind of just just a cursory dismiss so, oh, yeah, that's fake. Somebody in a suit. Yeah. They knew exactly where it was. It's in a suit. That's who that is. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's more to it than that. I don't think so either. And and I don't think that's the case for Skunk Ape either. That video that I mentioned before that's on YouTube, like, I, that's not some some dude in a suit. That, that is legit scary. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the fact that he and his friend never talked about it to anyone outside of family and friends, the fact that they never reported it to news media, the fact that, right. you know, they didn't want any, any publicity from it. He didn't leave, Harlan didn't leave behind any written notes or anything else other than just what he told his wife. Um, no. You know, and this footage was found in a box right they passed away exactly they found it like they just they were like what is this you know he didn't you're right they didn't want anything from it other than to find out what it was and there have been people that have tried to you know tear down the plaster cast and um i think it was sometime around early 2000s a guy surfaced and he had a shoe with an attachment with the bottom of this um, three-toed web footprint that um, was supposedly used to fake 
these plastic casts, but you know, he only had one shoe. He didn't have a set of shoes. He just had the one shoe. Oh, yeah. I saw that. So, you know, there's obviously going to be people that, you know, want to tear that down, explain away, and, 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 you know, discredit um, the plastic cast, which I get. I mean, you know, some people don't want to don't want to know that that is plausible. Right. Absolutely. So I think um, after this footage from 1963, I want to say his great-granddaughter also either produced or participated in a, in a documentary or her own film. Um, I'm not sure which it was. And so his great-granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, she actually um, produced or, I guess, uh, had a part in a documentary film and a short uh, book about her great-grandfather. I've not seen it um, or read the book, but, you know, it's out there if anyone listening like to um, look into that further and um, so that is actually all I have on the Honey Island Small Monster thank you guys for listening you've been listening to Southern Discomfort with April and Christine as you can tell this is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet so we want you to be able to reach out to us. Send emails to Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook at Southern Discomfort Podcast. And on Instagram at Southern Discomfort PC. And for shows, visit Southern Discomfort.podbean.com. And this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Till next time, keep one eye open because you never know what you might see. This is Southern Discomfort. Signing off.